we want to say thank you so much uh, to everyone who is tuning in uh, and looking forward to what God has in store for us tonight. What a blessing it is. Brother Nick is going to be uh, preaching for us tonight, and I'm excited about that and uh, looking forward to what uh, he's going to be doing, uh, what he's going to be preaching on tonight. Excited about that. Hope you're uh, ready, uh, got your Bibles, and you're tuning in, ready to hear from the Word of God this evening. All right, Brother Nick's going to make his way up, and uh, we're going to let him preach tonight. Amen. I just want to thank uh, our pastor um, for this opportunity that I have to preach tonight. I don't ever take it lightly. Um, it's not just a, uh, a, a hobby. It's, uh, it's not a job, but it's a calling, and I'm thankful for the calling of, of, of preaching all my life that the Lord has given me. Um, you guys are in trouble tonight, though, because there's no clock in here. We took it down for remodel, so I guess that gives me, gives me free reigns on the time. Um, I'm just kidding, but I will try to be as brief as possible. Um, but I do believe that this is the message for this evening. I've been in much prayer and much supplication about uh, what the Lord would have me to preach tonight. Um, if you would, take your Bibles to Leviticus chapter number 6. Leviticus chapter number 6. I do want to thank all the members of Faith Baptist Church for remaining faithful. As Pastor said earlier, I know it's an encouragement to him. Um, just that you guys have been uh, being a part of the services and tuning in. and um, I know that that's just a, an encouragement to him. Continue to be faithful. Lord will bless us for it. Leviticus chapter number 6, verse number 8 is where we're going to start. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his son, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. It is the burnt offering because of the, burn, <clears throat> the burning upon the altar all night upon the morning, and the fire of the altar shall be burning in it. And the priest shall put on his linen, gar <clears throat> linen garment, and his linen breeches shall he put upon his flesh, and take upon the ashes which the fire hath consumed with the burnt offering, on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar, and he shall put off his garments, and put on other garments, and carry forth the ashes without the camp unto a, a clean place. And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it, it shall not be put out, and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and lay the burnt offering in order upon it, and he shall burn there on the fat of the peace offering. Verse 13 is our key verse here. The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. Just for a little while tonight, I'm going to preach on keeping the fire burning. There's some things in our life that we need to keep the fire burning uh, when it comes to our life. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for, Lord, the day you've given to us. Thank you for loving us. Lord, I, I need your help. Lord, I need your touch. I pray that you'll calm my nerves. Lord, I pray that as... I preach tonight, Lord, that um, your word will go forth. And Lord, it will go forth with power, Lord, and it will help us tonight. You tell us that your word is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart, but also that it's quick and powerful. And tonight, I pray that your word will not return void. Lord, that it will help us. Lord, I just want to be used by you tonight. Lord, I have nothing to glory in. Lord, you're all the glory. Lord, as I preach, I pray that uh, you'll help me. Lord, give me the words to say. And Lord, keep me from saying the things you wouldn't want me to say. Lord, if there's someone that's watching tonight, 
I pray that they'll, uh, and they're not saved, Lord, I pray that they'll trust you tonight. Lord, they'll see the need of salvation. And Lord, that they'll trust you. Lord, we need you. Lord, I need you. And Lord, I just pray that you'll uh, be powerful in this service. We love you and thank you for everything you do for us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. A few weeks back, I had uh, been studying Leviticus. The Lord, I'm not sure why. It's, it's a little more, I'm a little more sure now of why He wanted me to study in Leviticus. I had been coming across the burnt offerings. And as I studied the burnt offerings and, and saw what they meant, first of all, a burnt offering had to be a, an animal without blemish. It had to be an animal without blemish. And it had to be an animal that took upon the sins of that person that was giving that animal for the offering. What a perfect picture of Jesus Christ that was. And I came across verse number 13, and it's been ringing in my mind day after day. It says, The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. A fire that shall be burning, that shall never go out. I'm just going to use a candle as a as an illustration, as a visual force tonight to help us to remember that our fire needs to constantly be burning. The Bible says that the Lord is a consuming fire. And if the Lord lives inside of you, if you're saved, He should consume your life. But my question was, why does God command us to keep the fire burning? Why did He command them to keep the fire burning? And as I studied, the Lord gave me this answer. We can go to nature to get the answer. Very simply, it's easier to keep the fire burning than it is to fire it back up after it's gone out. It takes a lot less work if we'll just keep it burning than it does to let it go out and then try to rekindle it or to, re, to get it to, re-go, uh, to, to fire back up. But there's a few things that takes, um, it takes to let it go out. There's some things that can come in our life that will allow it to, uh, to burn out. First of, first of all, inactivity, laziness. Secondly, indifference, not caring what's happening. And then lastly, inattention, not paying attention to what's going on. But there are some, some opposite effects that it takes to keep the fire burning. First of all, it takes work. It does take work to keep the fire burning. It takes will. It takes, it takes time and energy. And it takes watchfulness. If you're going to keep the fire burning in your life that the Lord gives, you're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to have a will to keep it going, and you're going to have to be watchful. But there's three main areas in our life um, that we need to keep the fire burning in. Number one, we need to keep the fire burning for the Holy Scriptures. For the Holy Scriptures, for our Bible. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9, Jeremiah said, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in mine heart as a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. He said, it was, it was, it was in my heart like a burning fire. It was a part of me. And I will tell you something. If you study the Scripture, if you read your Bible, it's going to become a part of you where you can't get away from it. Turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter number 1. 
verse number 19. It says, We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as into a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that prophecy that no that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. But it said, We have a more sure word of prophecy. That word sure means to be sure of something, to know something as fact. And we have the Holy Scriptures. The Bible tells us in Psalm 119, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Doesn't matter what we say about his word. Doesn't matter what uh, the government says about his word. All that matters is what God said about it. He said, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. In Scripture, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. It's good for us, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Simply put, it's good for you. It's there to help you. We need to, get the, uh, we need to keep the fire burning for the Holy Scriptures. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 40, The grass withereth and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever, which means nothing can ever stand against it. It's going to last forever. But the Holy Scriptures um, speak of three main things for the believer. Number one, the sovereignty of God. The fact that He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. In Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. There was nothing before Him because He's sovereign. He's God. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11 and 12, Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is thine. Thine is kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thy hands is power and might, and in thy hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. It said that thou art exalted as head above all. And thou reignest over all. God's sovereign. Simply put, he's number one. The book of Colossians says that Christ is preeminent. He's number one. Psalm 103 tells us, The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. God is sovereign. Isaiah speaks to the fact that he's the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. You know, he's got to be pretty big, and he's got to be uh, pretty sovereign to inhabit eternity. That word inhabit means to be a part of, to be in a place of. So it means that he's here now, but he's 2,000 years from now. And he's here now, and he's 2,000 years ago. He is sovereign. Simply put, we should get excited about the fact that the Holy Scriptures teach of how great God is. Not only does it speak of his sovereignty, it speaks of, number two, salvation. Praise God. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23-25 through 25 says, Being born again, 
The Bible says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He can't. Unless you've been born again, you're not going to go to heaven. You're not going to see Christ when you die. But it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the will of God, which liveth and abideth forever, for all, gra- or, I'm sorry, for all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass... And here's that, that, that same uh, word. I love how the Lord says something in the Old Testament. It always lines up with the New Testament. The grass withereth and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So without the Holy Scriptures, we couldn't hear of the gospel. We couldn't hear of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Simply put tonight, there's some things that we need to keep the, the, the fire burning for. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1 says, Moreover, brethren... He's saying, here again, I'm going to tell you again. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also ye are saved. If you keep in memory that I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again, the third day, according to the Scriptures. Praise God for the salvation of Jesus Christ. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. David said in Psalm 51, verse number 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. He said, restore unto me. You know what he was saying? That word restore... Give me that fire back. I need, I need that joy. Restore unto me the joy I had of salvation. Does that mean you can lose your salvation? Is that what he was saying? No, of course not. He was saying the joy of the salvation. It doesn't mean that we can lose our salvation. It simply means we can lose the joy. No sin can cause us to lose joy in our life. Sin can cause us to lose peace in our life. But that's where repentance comes in. When we repent of those sins... That we confess and repent, God restores unto us the joy that we had. So the Holy Scriptures, they teach of uh, the sovereignty of God. They teach of the salvation of God. But they also teach of sanctification. Sanctification. John 17, 17, Christ says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. Without the word of God, we couldn't know what truth is. And he said, you need to be sanctified through thy truth, thy word is truth. So the only way you're going to be sanctified is trusting in Christ. And the only way you can truly trust in, trust in Christ is to have a, a, a burning fire for the scriptures. That's the only way it's going to happen. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and body, or I'm sorry, spirit and soul and body, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said the spirit and the soul and the body. That's your whole makeup right there. That's the trichotomy. That's three, the three parts that make you up. He said the peace of God sanctify you wholly. 
2 Timothy t- t- talks of um, how we need to be vessels of, of honor, not vessels of dishonor. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this deal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. That's salvation. And let everyone that nameth the name of Jesus depart from iniquity. So that throws out the, the conversation of a lot of these liberal, uh, liberal Christians today that, said, that say that I am saved by the blood of Christ, so I can now live life how I want to live it. That's the total opposite of what that verse just said. It said, the Lord knoweth him that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ, that's saying, hey, I'm saved, I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, depart from iniquity. That word iniquity doesn't just mean sin. It's sin that we commit when we know it's wrong. There may be sins that people commit that don't understand that they're, that why they're wrong. But iniquity is, is you know something's wrong. You've been taught something's wrong, yet you still continue to do it. It says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Sanctification only comes through the the Holy Scriptures. We We need to keep the fire burning tonight. We need to keep the fire burning this week and this month for the fact that we have the Word of God. Sanctification is an integral part of the Holy Scriptures. We need to keep the fire burning for the Holy Scriptures, for our Bible. Secondly, we need to keep the fire burning for our homes. For our homes. The home was the first thing that God instituted. He instituted the, the, uh, the home before He instituted the church. He instituted the home before He instituted the government. The home was the very first thing that God instituted. After He created Adam, He created Eve. That was your first home. Just like in the garden, I hate to say this, but just like in the garden, our homes are under attack by the serpent, Satan. Our homes are under attack by Satan and the world. The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. John 10, verse 10 said, the thief thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. Satan wants to not only destroy me, Satan wants to destroy my wife, Satan wants to destroy my children, Satan wants to destroy my future grandchildren. And he wants to do the same thing for everyone. Especially those that proclaim the name of Christ. But I'm afraid that today most Christians, most Christians welcome Satan in their homes. We need to keep the fire burning for our homes. Because the devil is on a war path. The devil is seeking whom he may devour. He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. But we have one command when it comes to this. Resist the devil. The Bible says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
See, we have, we have a command, but also we have a promise in the same thing. We have the, the command of resist the devil. But firstly, you've got to submit yourselves. But then you resist the devil, and then we have the promise of he will flee from you. That word flee means to run like crazy. I don't know a better word to put it. Simply this. When someone flees, it's almost like an animal that is running for their life away from the, the predator. And that's what the devil does to us, with us. When we, we submit ourselves to God, we then can resist the devil and then he can flee from us. That's exactly what Christ did. The devil came to Christ and he said, uh, he tempted him in many ways, three different ways. And every time that the devil tempted Christ, Christ used Scripture. He said, for it is written, for it is written, for it is written. And he sliced the devil up. Our homes need the Word of God. Because we do have an enemy. When it comes to our homes... I think there's three main areas that we need to um, get a, a uh, to keep the fire burning, or if it's going out, to, to light it back up again. Number one, for our spouses. For our spouses. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, marriage is honorable in all. Marriage is honorable in all things. God instituted marriage. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 which also lines up with Genesis. It says, For this cause shall a man leave his, his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. God's for marriage. And by the way, marriage is a man and a wife. It didn't say that uh, when a man leaves his father and mother and shall join unto his husband. It says when he joins unto his wife. So marriage is between a man and a woman. But it says these two shall become one, one flesh. That's why the Bible says marriage is honorable in all. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. If you had a chance to see Pastor's devotion for the day, he actually <clears throat> um, spoke on kids, and um, we're going to get into that a little bit. I'm glad that he spoke on the home a little bit today in his devotion. Ephesians chapter number 5. Verse number 22. This is very unpopular, um, <clears throat> unpopular in the world we live in today. But it's Bible, so it's right. It says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. But most of the time, men just stop there. We just stop there. Verse 25 says, Husbands... Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. And it says, husbands, love your wives. If you keep reading, verse 28 says this, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. The problem with most of our homes today is two things. First of all, the husband doesn't love 
the wife like they're supposed to. Secondly, that causes the wife not to submit to the husband like they're supposed to. We need love in our relationship, in our in, in our relationships. We need we need to love our spouses. We need to sub- submit one of our, our one of one of ourselves to another. We need to submit ourselves to another at home. If we do that, the Lord will get magnified in our houses. We need to keep the fire burning for our homes. First thing is our spouses. We need to we need to love our spouses. Number two. For our sons and daughters. Psalm 127, 3 through 5 says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. He shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. It simply said that as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. Children are, uh, should be a blessing to us. They shouldn't be um, uh, like uh, a burden. A lot of people treat children as they're a burden. No, they're a blessing. It said, happy is the man. That's the same word, you look it up, that's the same word as blessed is the man in Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. It's the same word, it's happy. But yet a lot of, a lot of people treat their children like they're a burden. It said, lo, children are heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. But I think a lot of times today, Burdens are, 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 children are a burden at home because they haven't been taught and trained properly. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. He will not depart from it. Now, they're going to make their own decisions when they get older. But when they're under your roof and they're at your house, you need to train them, not just teach them. It says in, ye, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Bring them up. That doesn't mean teach. Look up that word. That word bring means to train. To bring them up. To help them grow. To lift them when they're struggling. To train them. It says in Proverbs chapter thirteen: He that spareth his uh, his rod, he, he that spareth his, his rod, hateth his son; but he that loveth him, chasteneth him, betimes. Chastening's never is never um, a happy time for the for the one being chastened or the one chasing the person. I know with Abram, I hate having to chase an Abram, but it 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 bears that peaceable fruit of righteousness, is what Hebrews says. T- turn to Hebrews twelve. Hebrews 12. When we sin and we disobey God, He chastens us. If He doesn't chasten you, then you're not saved. He chastens all His children. About to read it here. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 5 says, And ye have forgotten the exhortation that speaketh unto you as unto children, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of Him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son which, with, uh, whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. 
For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, wherefore, or I'm sorry, whereof all are partakers, then are ye not, then are ye bastards and not sons? Furthermore, ye have uh, had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily, for a few days, chasteneth us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Here we go, verse 11. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised by, uh, thereby. So the, the chastening is never, never pleasant for the one being chastened or the one doing the chastening. But it's an integral part of training our children. Our children are the next generation. Some, most of us. The ones that have children that's my kid's age and up until early teens right now. They are the next generation. We need to train them. We're going to have to train them properly. Our homes are under attack. We need to get the fire going, keep the fire going, first of all, for our spouses. Secondly, for our sons and daughters. Thirdly, for separation. Separation. That's like a forbidden word today. But 2 Corinthians chapter number 6 is still in the Bible. It says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness, and what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Here we go. Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. How about it, parent? Let's think about it. Separation. That's not just putting on the Sunday outfit. That's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and doing it again the next week, and the next week, and the next week. What are you going to allow in your home? What are you going to allow your kids to hear? What are you going to allow your kids to see? What are you going to allow your kids to say? How are you going to allow your kids to dress? Where are you going to allow your kids to go? Let me get more specific. What are you going to listen to? What are you going to say? What are you going to see? Because it starts with us. It starts with the parents. If we're not sold out for Christ, if we're not 100% for Him, we can never expect our kids to be that way. Because kids see and they imitate what they see. Uh, it's funny, I was, I was with Abram today, and I was just being a goofball, being, being funny, and he's over here doing the same exact thing that I'm doing. He imitates what he sees, and they do it as they get older, and they're going to imitate what we, what we put forth. So if our Christianity is, is a mask or isn't real, they're going to take on the same kind of Christianity that we have. That's why the Bible says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Love not the world, is what it said. 
Don't get enamored with the world. Don't get enamored with what it can give you. Those temporary feelings of of happiness and those temporary feelings of success that it can give to you. Love not the world, neither the things are in the world. The Bible tells us in James chapter 4 that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. That's why he says, whosoever will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. He's talking about acting like the world, thinking like the world, doing the things the world does, watching the things they watch. We have no business in doing that. We're to be separate. We're to be different. That's why he tells us in Romans chapter 12, verse number 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world. Don't be made in the image of this world. Don't don't duplicate this world. Don't copy this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What's the good and acceptable and perfect will of God for us? It's to not be conformed to the world. It's to be conformed, made in the image of Christ, not of the world. And the only way that happens is verse number 1. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's why Paul told us, I die daily. He put his body on the altar every day. He put his wants on the altar every day. He put his will on the altar every day. He put his emotions on the altar every day. He put his life on the altar every day. So that he would not be conformed to the world. But he would be conformed to the image of Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Someone that's peculiar, peculiar is different. They're not the same. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in times past you were not a people, but are now the people of God. Which, hath, uh, hath not, which had not obtained mercy, but now have attained mercy. Simply put, you're different. You're not the same. You're peculiar. Why? Because you're separate. You're different. There's a difference in you. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God wants us to be different, not the same. I believe it was Curtis Hudson. He wasn't speaking on this, but the, the application implies things that are different are not the same. Things that are different are not the same. We should be different. If we are different, we're not the same. We're not the same because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us if you're saved. There are some things we need to keep the fire burning for. First of all, the Holy Scriptures. Secondly, our homes. And then lastly tonight, and I'm going to try to be brief... The house of God. I know this is a time where we can't assemble together, but we can assemble in spirit together. You know, I believe the, the, the disciples and the apostles would be blown away with the fact that we can meet together without being together. It's, it's really marvelous the time we live in, the technology that we, that we have. But it says in Hebrews chapter 10, chapter 10 verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of, your, of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Assembling ourselves. We can't be here physically, but we can be here spiritually. 
Christ loved the church and He gave Himself for the church. So if Christ loved the church, should I love the church? If Christ loved the church, should you love the church? I believe so. We should, we should be as mu- much like Christ as we can be on this earth. And He loved it so much that He was willing to give His life for the church. He told uh, Peter in Matthew chapter 16, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God loves the church. And God wants us to keep the fire burning for the church. This is a time where the devil is going to tempt you. And he's going to try you. But you continue to love the church like God loves the church. But the house of God um, is... uh, At the house of God, we have three main things that we focus on. Number one, sound preaching. The Bible tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Rebu- uh, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. It said, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. God's house is for preaching. We don't come to God's house to fellowship. We don't come to God's house just, just to have fun. We don't come to God's house to you know, go to a coffee bar or whatever some of these churches are doing. Those things aren't wrong. But the main emphasis on the church is to hear the Word of God. The preaching of God's Word. Flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We can't treat the church like it's a country club because that's not what it was, it was intended for for us. Now we should be exhorted and we should, we should um, love one another and we should be uplifted when we see one another, but that's not the main purpose of the church. The main purpose of the church is not to come and see what you can get out of it. The main purpose of the church is to come and see what you can do for it. 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse 17 says... For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with words, um, wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us, us which, it, uh, which are saved, it is the power of God. Verse number 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Here we go, verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the uh, Jews a stumbling block, and unto the uh, Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Verse number 23 said, But we preach Christ crucified. The purpose of the church is to preach. Uh, Sound preaching. Sound preaching. Preaching Christ. Preaching the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that He can change lives. He can take someone that was destined and on their way to hell 
give them salvation, make them a new creature, and their whole destination changes. They're going to heaven when they get sa- uh, after they die, once they're, once they're saved. Sound preaching. Number two, the house of God. We need to get fire. We need to keep the fire burning for the house of God. Number two, scriptural teaching. Not only sound preaching, but number two, scriptural teaching. In Deuteronomy chapter six, verse six, it says, "And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up." Simply put, you need to be th- you need to be teaching them all times. You need to be teaching them every day, all day, as much as you can, teaching them. And that's what the house of God is for. It's not only for sound preaching, but it's to teach. Scriptural teaching. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, But continue thou in the things that thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise, and tells unto salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ, or in Christ Jesus. It said, Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. We come to the house of God to learn. Scriptural learning. Second Timothy's got a lot of references about uh, being taught. In First Timothy chapter number 4, it says, uh, verse 11 says, These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example unto the believers. In word and conversation and charity and faith and, and spirit and purity. Till I come, here's his, here's his, here's his outline. Give attendance for, to reading, that's why we read the word of God. To exhortation and to doctrine. Um, neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with laying on the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly unto them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing so thou shalt uh, both save thyself and them that hear. Preaching can lead someone to salvation, but I believe also teaching can lead someone to salvation. It said that take heed unto thyself and to the doctrine. Continue in them the things that you learn, things that you've been taught. For doing so thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. So God puts great emphasis not only on sound preaching, but on scriptural teaching. And praise God, we're going to get that at this church. We're going to get the whole counsel of God. Pastor's going to preach it every Sunday, every Wednesday, every day that he's available to teach or preach it. But also your, your kids are going to be taught properly. Your kids are, going to be, kids are going to be taught what the Word of God says. And you're going to be taught what the Word of God says. Because we believe the Bible. We believe the Bible, and it's, it's the final authority for faith and practice in our life. Not just faith. There's a lot of people that believe the Bible, but when it comes to the practice of it, they don't, they don't follow through. We believe it for faith and for practice. That's salvation and that's sanctification. And then number three, we need to uh, keep the fire burning for uh, the house of God for sound preaching, for scriptural teaching, and then lastly, soul reaching. 
The Bible says in Mark 16, 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He says in Mark chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and, I, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Luke 14, verse 23 says, Go out into the highways and the, and the hedges and compel them to come in. You know, give them a reason to come. But all three of those verses started with the same two-letter word that besides the word no is probably the next hardest word for us to, to, to grasp. Go. No, no can be difficult for us sometimes, but the word go, I think, is probably one of the hardest words for Christians to grasp, myself included. He said, go you into all the world. Go you therefore. Go into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that, they may, that my house may be filled. We're commanded to go. We're commanded to, to tell them. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. God wants us to be soul winners. Christ was a soul winner. He went to where they were a lot of times. He went to them. I think about the woman at the well. He said, I must needs go to Samaria. He went out of his way to go see her because he saw the potential. Because he saw when she was saved, she went back to the city. There was a change in her and all those men got saved because of it. Now, she didn't save those men. But her word, her uh, ability to be a soul reacher, she was soul reaching to those men because Christ went to her. And that's the same thing we need to do. We just need to go. Now, I know some of us are, are not able to get out right now. I know some of us are locked at home. Use the platform you've got. Use, if you're on Facebook, you can, you can witness on Facebook. You can reach souls on Facebook. If you're on whatever device, whatever um, social media thing you're doing, use what you've got right now. But let's not ever quit being a soul-reaching church. That's the purpose of the church. It's sound preaching. Scriptural teaching and soul reaching. Let me just exhort you. In this time, don't give up. Continue being faithful to God. But there are some things that we need to keep the fire burning for. Firstly, it's for the Holy Scriptures. Let this Bible... Let this Bible help you, help your family, help you at your job. It helps every aspect of your life because it's the Word of God. It's quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Simply put, the Bible knows us better than we know ourselves because God created it. And God created us. So He knows us better than we know ourselves. That's why the Bible says, Search me, Lord. See if there be any wicked way in me. I think we need to do some, some searching tonight. I think we need to let this, the Lord search our hearts and search our minds tonight. But we need to keep the fire burning for, first of all, the Holy Scriptures, the Word of God. 
Secondly, we need to keep the fire burning for our homes. The devil's on the attack. He's not letting up one bit right now. But keep the fire burning for our homes, for our spouses, for our sons and daughters, and for separation in our homes. And then thirdly, for the house of God. Christ loved the church. He was willing to give his life for the church. So if he was willing to give his life for it, we just need to be willing to love people at the church and give ourselves for it as well. Let's pray. Lord.